0: Oh, God.
1: Warm-up's not really, but when I woke up this morning I was feeling pretty dangerous. <laughs> I have to care to wait. expand on that? Oh
0: I just woke up feeling real dangerous. <laughs> Alright guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Google Podcast, or if you can get a podcast. Give us a five-star review and rating. We'd really appreciate it because it makes us easier to find. I'm your host, Kami Amarabian. Joined today on this wonderful Tuesday with Jack Shields. How's your how's your week going so far?
2: It is not too bad. It's I mean, other than
0: Did you power last night?
2: It kept flicking on and off. Yeah, like, but yeah, that was like a little inland hurricane. I who was it? Mike Morgan called it an inland hurricane. Yeah, Mike
0: Morgan and David, David Payne, Payne said, Payne said called something it. similar. And then um, Damon Damon Lane Damon Lane because Mike Morgan and David Payne said inland hurricane. Damon Lane was like, guys, this is none inland hurricane. <laughs> and I thought that was the funniest clap back of. You know, these guys go back and forth. This is the funniest thing. My, my, the weather wars are a real thing yeah. here in Oklahoma City. Well, apparently, I mean, the podcast wars are, too, because Jay, uh, Jason Christie, I believe, right? And yeah. The Athletic, they just came out with their OU podcast. I'm sure it's pretty good. And I'm yeah. sure it's going to be good. We're going to have him on to promote it sometime. Yeah, it'll be, it'll sure, be great. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, Brady, you know, with his Inside OU stuff, that's really that's, and having Rufus on and John Hoover, that has been really good, too. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of good podcasts out, actually. Listen to all of them. Yeah, for real um uh, but yeah my the most inconvenient thing for me from last night was besides my big tree in the front yard that you've seen that like it's blown limbs. there's toward, a lot of limbs all over it's his front yard stupid uh but was i was trying to do laundry and the damn thing knocked my power out like four times where it just goes down for a brief second and comes yeah. back up so like i'd have i had to restart the dryer four or five times and then just like pray it didn't go out out of power when i went to sleep and when i woke up because i was wearing an outfit in the dryer the next day that's that's like first world problems but i mean that's that's really what the only thing i I had an issue with it was just frustrating because we had tornadoes and it's almost september
2: i saw like i was watching the weather when i get back to my apartment i'm like okay it looks like the worst of it's up at memorial road right now i've got time so i'm like okay i'll go to the gas station like ri- literally just right outside my apartment complex get a 12-pack i get there everything's fine i'm walking outside and it's a hurricane <laughs> I, God. I, I i got drenched like during the worst of it it was i mean it was I, a
0: frustrating I, thing oof. i was i was just more annoyed than anything
2: yeah, I mean, <laughs> luckily my windows weren't facing uh, the wind, mm-hmm. So, because some people's windows shattered. Just got blown out. And, but, so, I was very fortunate on that front. Yeah. But I did get sopping wet.
0: Yeah. Which... It's not too bad. We no. Just get an yeah. early shower or late shower. Yeah. Not too bad. But... Uh, I had my
2: beer, so yeah. mission accomplished, but...
0: This week, it's like... So, like, last week was kind of game week, because you had two games, which actually turned out to be actually pretty thrilling finishes between miami and florida and arizona and hawaii but this week is officially game week as far as all the games being played on thursday friday saturday and of course the one that we're going to talk about pretty soon the one on sunday the only one on sunday and it's another game on labor day that people aren't talking about it's just like what four days of straight football no five days pretty much thursday, friday saturday Granted, sunday, Monday. the
2: saturday slate kind of sucks
0: there's not many It's not that great there's not uh, really the only good games that i'm going to watch of course we're going to go to the oklahoma houston game and then oregon auburn that's a decent one maybe florida state boise state if you're interested in like being i don't know i don't know how good boise is anymore
2: one thing that is very intriguing to me the mac brown will must bowl uh, the UNC South Carolina game. Really? Oh yeah. I
0: didn't even. That's some bad blood right I, there. I just like missed... I didn't. Even... I glossed over that. Yeah, playing
2: in Charlotte, well, that's which is treat. essentially on the North Carolina South Carolina border.
0: I didn't even think about that. Yeah, Jeez. That...
2: talk about a <laughs> having a chip on your shoulder. Your Mac Brown. Yeah. Holy hell.
0: Or Ole Muschamp, champ. You know, he was the one in waiting. Yeah, he was the one in waiting, and then he took the Florida job then instead of waiting then for then Mac Brown. Never mind. Yeah. I can't wait any longer. Let me go to. Gainesville, of all places, the most trailer park university in Florida. That's true. That's
2: definitely true. <laughs>
0: but it's game week. Uh, it's
2: Gainesville isn't that bad. It, it's kind of like <laughs> a. It's like a swamp version of Norman, but if Norman wasn't attached to Oklahoma City. Ugh, it's sounds like it's a weird, situation. but it's <laughs> it's not bad. It's got like a good music scene and stuff like that. I mean, it, it's pretty cool. There's some. You good just bars. said
0: the swamp version of Norman, except it's not attached to Oklahoma City. Pretty much, yeah. It's a shitty city. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's be honest here. It's, no,
2: I mean, like, like it's uh, uh, it's a cool college town. It really is. Yeah. like it's 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 legit. I'm a fan, even though I went to FSU.
0: I'm I'm a fan. Yeah, that's fine. But uh, it's it's. It's better than Tally, I'd say that. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Tally nasty. But favorite season openers. It's the season opener and I was looking I was looking at a lot of season openers in a lot of the games that Oklahoma's played in that I've been a part of or I've just seen. A lot of the big time ones, Oklahoma's actually lost. As far as the they've big lost, or they've opener. come out flat. I remember that yeah. Utah State game in 2010. It's gross. UTEP, and not the, long after,
2: the vibe walking out of the stadium after that Utah State game in 2010. It was. It felt like a loss. Just yeah. the way people were hanging their heads and stuff like that. I remember, like we were. Oh man, this is weird. We were walking back to my house, and we were with a group of girls and a dude who was fed up with the uh, pedestrian traffic in front of him hit one of the girls we were with it, with his car because he was all
0: God. mad. He was all hot and bothered about the OU game. Sounds like a... In the traffic. Like, that was... God, I, I forgot that. Sounds like a daily that. routine at TCU practice hit by We're bringing like up, up weird cars. memories. Yeah. I mean, because like, I'm thinking about like prominent games that OU begins um, that are like more than just OU, like Utah State, right? So OU-BYU was a loss. OU-Houston-NRG was a loss. OU... Houston, NRG was a loss. OU uh, TCU, when they were still in the Mountain West, yeah, I think, or 05, conference, yeah Conference uh, USA or something like that, that was a loss. And I just looked at, like, a lot of games that had any sort of substance whatsoever, game one, they've been a loss since the early 2000s. And um, so I, I'm thinking about, like, my favorite season openers, not necessarily, like, home openers, but season openers. And uh, I can't think past my, uh, well, I just had a weird stutter. My first game that I actually attended was in 2001, and it was a home opener uh, against North Carolina with Julius Peppers. Oh, yeah.
2: That was the one where they gave out the sombreros to the students. Yes. It was a weird one.
0: Yeah, they gave it sombreros to students. Uh, Julius Peppers was in that game. Yeah, he had a pick six. OU was killing yeah. them early. North Carolina came a little close, and then OU just finished them off in the end, and the, like right after the game, there was all kinds of rain. It was like a torrential downpour. I do remember that, yeah. But that that's probably my favorite. Game opening or season opening game for Oklahoma that I can remember. What about you? Like the season I, opening I, or home I would
2: opening? go the year prior to that against UTEP, just because I was that was the first game where I sat in my parents' seats. Uh. The the they I guess they were like essentially the last people to get season tickets in two thousand, which was like after that it was a waiting list, so they got really lucky. But like uh they were right down in the uh Bottom the southwest corner. That was it, like right by the ramp. Okay. Okay. And there were a bunch of really cool touchdowns on that end. Mm -hmm. There was it it was that was the game where Ronaldo works had like three touchdowns. he he dragged some. He dragged like five dudes. I I was literally standing on the field in the corner when he did that. That was like one of my first really cool in person OU memories. So that that would have to be the one I would say. Plus we they ended up going on to win national championships.
0: Ronaldo works is a Booker T product, yeah.
2: I believe so. Yeah. He was yeah. fast when he was like a I think he lost a little bit of his speed as his OU career progressed, but he was a yeah.
0: fast kid. And people forget people forget he was a part of that 2000 national title team. Yeah, yeah, he didn't he
2: didn't play much down the stretch, but I mean early in the
0: season he was definitely a playmaker. And like in 2000 he had some moments, but it was all Q from 2000 to 2002 and then works resurfaced in 2003 with as jones and then of course he was out the door 2004 and he he was so much uh, so much better back than kewan jones like and kewan wasn't a bad back from me
2: couldn't change direction at all
0: but i mean he had great burst and i mean he was a tough
2: runner for his size but man he was straight ahead no nonsense he needed a little bit more nonsense though because he could
0: not he was a smaller guy yeah he was he was like five nine yeah yeah but, man, just makes you think. But, anyways, you have any game day rituals? Shower beer when you wake up. Yeah, so we were talking. That's why I was laughing. If you heard me laughing at the very beginning of the podcast. How have you never heard I've of never a heard shower of- beer? I've never heard of a shower beer. Like, what? You just, like, do you drink the beer in the shower before or after you wash? Wow. Or, or yes? Both. All. All of the above. Is that is that a thing before or after you brush your teeth?
2: Eh. <laughs> but before
0: okay (laughs) but it doesn't really matter
2: because you're going to be drinking beer after you brush your teeth anyway so it doesn't matter
0: man (laughs) game day baby i've never yeah and it's usually
2: like a a cheap beer like a A pbr a pbr or natty Light, (laughs) some you know salt of the earth beverage but it just tastes really good in the shower just does
0: do you have any game day foods that you're always eating or is shower beer the main ritual
2: Ooh, trying to think sliders are always good at a tailgate okay and i would say i really like the vodka soda on a game day because mm-hmm. you don't get dehydrated so that's and that's a big deal so then if you do that you have energy after the game mm, to like true, party and true. stuff like that because otherwise if you're dehydrated you're gonna be pooped after the game yeah so you got to consider these things i've become a smarter
0: drinker as yeah. time goes on it's a good idea actually I didn't, I didn't think about that i mean you catch me at a game day ritual my my game day ritual is like just being nauseous as, as if the team is like not south dakota yeah um and uh, so like I, I become overly pessimistic of like what to expect of, of, of the team's performance especially the defense for the past however many years that's a ritual just becoming uber pessimistic and then i just for food if you put a hot dog, a hamburger, and a bratwurst in front of me. I'm probably going to pick the bratwurst 10 out of 10 times. Maybe 9 out of 10 times. Pork belly is a good one for game day.
2: I'm a I'm big a, pork belly guy because it's good by itself or on a sandwich.
0: And uh, I just love bratwurst. Like, I know like it's worse for you than a hot dog, but I don't care. It, it's, it's game it's, day. It's great. It's wonderful. You
2: throw all that out the window on a game day.
0: So, I mean, it's just, uh, it's just been – we've been waiting since January – and have had to subject ourselves to different sports. Which softball was good. That was fun. NBA basketball was. We had the, a, a the thing. whole
2: thing with the trade. Yeah, the you
0: had you had all of it. Free agency, I guess. You had I some mean, success. You had which it wasn't really heartburns. free
2: agency for the Thunder. It was just trades. Yeah, tr- Tree but agency. It was yeah. And then horrible. Just, so <laughs> it kept us. It
0: helped. It kept us busy as Oklahomans, definitely. Yeah. And then you know just trying to live off of like NFL preseason qB one uh hard knocks uh oh what's the other show that I'm just completely missing on you know, last chance you stuff like that yeah to hold you over until it's actually I kind of game, detach game, myself
2: game. from football sometimes during the off season I, I think just that's kind fair of to re- say. i kind of reset just mentally but now I think we're finally back in that
0: groove I mean. I don't, For me, I feel like the grind doesn't ever stop. As far as like information,
2: it's true like, that. Yeah, I still have to like run crimson cream machines and
0: seated and stuff like that. But like, uh, it's like what tech are they running? I kind of emotionally check out, is what I say. They're doing a four two five three three five. Who's running the jack backer again? Four down line. It's like, dude, the offense. I don't care right now because I feel like the offensive line they're gonna be fine. Whoever's gonna at least once once it matters, they'll left be fine. guard through right tackle. I'm pretty sure has already made it for Oklahoma. Left tackle, Eric Swenson's been nicked up a little bit, but I'm pretty certain he's going to start because they feel good about him. Uh, I hope we play Michigan in the college football playoff
2: (laughs) so that that whole hardball thing can happen. But we're not going to play Michigan in the college football playoff because Michigan is very overrated and will not make the college football playoff. Yeah, the
0: pleated khakis versus the flat front khakis.
2: I mean, I'm pretty sure... I mean, I'm Josh, or what's his face? Justin Fields, yeah. quarterback at Ohio State. They're
0: going to murder Michigan.
2: <laughs> they, yeah. I mean, it's... And like Dimitri said. Like they're not going to drop off that much, I don't think. Yeah. Not enough to where Michigan truly threatens no. them.
0: Michigan will have a good defense. It just depends yeah, on the offense. Yeah, I mean, offense. they had a
2: good defense last year. But, I mean, then you saw what happened once they finally faced a good offense with good athletes and an inventive scheme.
0: Yeah, that's fair. That's Got smoked. Yeah. But, I mean... I just I just don't care about the offense right now because with Lincoln Riley at the helm, you always feel like it'll be successful, top twenty-five, top fifteen, whatever. It'll be fine. It'll it'll run just fine. Everything I've been curious about and been wanting to, to know about is the defense, and we can get into a little bit as far as you know, cornerbacks, nickelbacks. Uh, it turns out that Jalen Redmond. For the longest time, we thought it was going to be on the opposite side of Ronnie Perkins, and now word is that he's got—he's not even with the linebackers anymore. He's with—he's—he's he's defensive line guy. He's got—he's putting his hand in the dirt lately. So, like, is he going to spell a Ronnie Perkins? Is he is, maybe at first? Is he, he big enough to where he plays inside with Laron Stokes at that tackle position? I don't know. He's big enough to do it. And oh, of course. He's like two sixty, two seventy, two. I don't know how far, how how big he got. He ballooned, but I'm I mean, about it, him.
2: if you're moving him to putting his hand in the dirt, does that mean that you're confident with whoever is playing the jackbacker? I guess they like John Michael Terry there,
0: so John Michael Terry's been a name. It's been up a lot. Or like, or you just you play him opposite of you just play him opposite of Ronnie Perkins exactly and go four yeah down four linemen. down linemen. yeah I mean that's that's 2 four two five action that's not out of the in the legitimate four two five and that's that's not out of the case or it's not out of the out of the program yet so it's it's interesting linebackers are solid your two safeties Pat Fields and Delarian Turner Yale are solid unless something bad happens CV one is solid uh, and Trey Brown who again said oh we're being held accountable. And uh, if everybody's not rushing the ball with their full intensity, we all get in trouble. And it's happened twice so far in camp, or at, throughout spring, and it just makes me scream because I'm saying, again, how? Are you, so you, you're like being held accountable now, and how were you being held accountable beforehand? It makes you wonder what the hell was going what, what, on. What, what to would you? What were you doing? And how are you being like? The word punished sounds weird to to college athletes, but like, how are you being like held accountable? How are you? How are you? Being you know I guess punished for like, I
2: mean it's not like Mike Mike Stoops wasn't a hard ass I mean he kind of was I'm saying. It's,
0: like it's it's odd yeah he is a complete hard ass I mean what like just like screaming at somebody instead of making it a whole team effort maybe I guess so there's that but this is something that I have no notes on this is something that I'm just going off of my own personal kind of like idea is that Chance Sylvie is pushing Buki in camp as far as that nickel, I can say that comfortably. And with me saying that comfortably, I feel like at some point in the season, it's very possible you see Chan- Grinch say, you know what, Chance Sylvie? He's making leaps and uh, leaps and bounds and gains. He can start a nickel, and they'll put Buki at CB2 to make him feel a little bit more comfortable. Or to me, it wouldn't at all be surprising me to see by Texas Oklahoma starting Jeremiah Cradell at the nickel. And you've got Buki at the second cornerback spot.
2: Are you confident in Buki at the second cornerback spot? I'm more does, com- does he fit the mold of what Alex Grinch wants as a cornerback?
0: That's the thing. Obviously not. Oh, granted, height wise, how much do no. the
2: current cornerbacks fit yeah.
0: that mold? So it doesn't really. I mean, he matches Trey Brown. Like yeah. They're kind of the same size. Yeah, pretty much. And they're both really physical backs, they're just smaller.
2: Shorter for sure.
0: Buki is not nearly as fast as Trey, and that's no. kind of an issue. Trey can move, yeah. But man, you put Buki on a you know five foot eight with cleats, five foot nine and a half maybe, and you put him on a tight end over the middle instead of a wide receiver. It's like six two. It's not gonna work. No, uh sir. So I mean, I feel I feel more comfortable with Buki at cornerback with safety help over the top than maybe with a slot receiver over the middle with no safety help really or a tight end down the seam with not a lot of safety help. I mean, that's just my thought. What what are your thoughts on that? What well, if that were to happen, what would you think if Buki was CB number 2? I mean, what would that say about Jordan Parker?
2: Apparently, he's been making strides. So, I mean, why I mean,
0: that's fair that's a fair question to ask.
2: See, that's sort of what gives me pause about that whole theory. Is that
0: Parker apparently has been Parker's been good. Yeah, he's been good, and you also have Parnell Motley there. So Motley's is very experienced. So Just Trying to get the best talent on the field. Yeah. Or, like Bill Biedenboe says, not necessarily the best talent on the field, but the best five that work together. There from you go. CB1 to Nickel to the safeties. The ones that communicate They're the going to
2: tinker around. They have plenty of time to do yeah. that.
0: I mean, you're playing South Dakota State in the second game, and
2: then you're, you're playing, see playing UCLA in the third game, that, which... I know Chip Kelly's running things, but that offense is not...
0: I'm uh, taking a wait-and-see approach on UCLA. It, it's tough, man. I'm taking a wait-and-see approach. It seems like he
2: hasn't been making the splash that people assumed he might make. Chip
0: Kelly was never a great recruiter. He
2: never was, but it seems like he's not even getting the guys he wants. He's you know not, what I mean? At Oregon, he was
0: getting the guys he wanted they that for N- have Nike and like 80 uniform combinations, and Oregon was hot and cool, and now you just have UCLA who's like the little brother to USC. That's
2: true, but you're located in, in a prime you're, recruiting area. You're located area.
0: in Pasadena, or at least that's where you play. And you're you're located in Hollywood, Beverly Hills. It's where all the rich girls, the the white girls with blonde hair and the fancy cars, the Mercedes, and all the Teslas are. I mean, that's great. And But, man, Sean Diddy Combs' son went there before P. Diddy went and chased a football coach at the kettlebell. But, I mean, it's just like, why would you What serious person goes to UCLA to play football? Nobody. Troy Aikman, <laughs> dude. And that—that's the thing about UCLA's history. That was is a little tongue in cheek there. UCLA's history is good, but they haven't been relevant since the last time they beat OU when they had Maurice Jones-Drew. That's true. No, well,
2: they were pretty good uh, for with Mora for a few years there when he he was really hitting the ground running with the recruiting at that point like right when this game was scheduled yeah he was getting top 10 classes which is something you can do at ucla yeah there's precedent for that
0: and they've got all the cash that they can throw at people mm-hmm. and especially with usc wasn't performing that well that's true that's part of it granted they're down right now so i mean but like you you're always going to be second bill to usc no matter what in football yeah in football in mean, basketball they can pick and choose if they wanted to if they had a good coach or i guess women's softball that's but,
2: true they're good at that
0: but i mean You're i don't not first know firsthand on that one i'm gonna i'm gonna wait and see on ucla but OU houston on a scale of one to ten how nervous are you about this game in norman Mm, 10 I would, being most nervous i would say 6.5 okay that's that's relatively which ju- high and
2: it's just because of the defense and the fact that it could theoretically be a shootout and if it is a shootout then it could potentially come down to a few turnovers or something like that like if oklahoma's defense isn't able to get all the turnovers it wants, like it's obviously is its stated goal right of getting you know two right. turnovers per game or whatever but uh if that doesn't favor Oklahoma and Houston's able to do some things on offense which is very 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 possible because they have a very talented quarterback and a pretty good play caller and so it could be dicey but at the same time I'm so confident in Oklahoma's ability to have its way offensively mm-hmm. that I'm just I'm not too nervous about it actually being a loss but
0: it could be dicey is what I'm saying. Yeah. I'll give it a seven right now where I'm at. I mean, I don't feel comfortable.
2: No, uh, shouldn't feel comfortable. I no. don't feel
0: comfortable because I just keep on getting flashbacks of NRG in two thousand sixteen. Not that this is the same Houston team. They don't have an Ed Oliver. They don't have a Greg Ward, but I think I think Derek King is Derek King
2: Greg. was a wide receiver in that game, had three catches. Really? Yeah.
0: I apparently, just blocked that in my mind, or just didn't I haven't think about rewatched
2: it. that game since. The, the only thing I've rewatched from that game is Dakota Austin
0: tackling the wrong person. God, he was he was like blocking an OU player while he tackled him too. It was pretty bad. But Epic. I just keep on thinking about Greg Ward. I keep on thinking about some of their playmakers. Uh, Ed Oliver just completely crushing the middle of the OU D, uh, offensive line.
2: Yeah, he was for real. And uh,
0: <laughs> of course, this this team is nowhere near as talented in the trenches as, and at linebacker as they were in 2016. But you know, you just get antsy about it. And then one good thing I think is really cool is that OU is actually using Spencer Rattler to emulate a Derek King, because Rattler, I can tell you right now, he's a better passer than Derek King, and he's got wheels. Are his wheels as good as Kyler Murray's? No. no they're they not be- as good as Derek King's. Are they better than Baker Mayfield's? Yeah. He's mobile. And he's he's not like sneaky athletic. He's just athletic. So, I mean, I think he's a really great candidate. Now, is he like as athletic as Derek King? No. But is he, is he up there? Yeah. So I think he's a really great candidate because he can punish you with his legs but really make you pay with his arm. So it's testing both levels of his defense. Really at the front um, and in the back four or back five, whichever you want to prefer. But I'm at a seven, and it's you know I'm kind of I'm kind of nervous about it. But we'll see. I kind of like being a little nervous. It adds a little drama to the whole situation. I mean, coming
2: if we're opening with South Dakota
0: State. I mean, how excited are you for Sunday? Really? Yeah. It's it's the only game at night on ABC on Sunday. Everybody's watching. We get a chance to wear white the day before Labor Day. Yeah. That's very true. appropriate. I've got I got a I got a shirt in the mail today. It says OU Alumni and then it was a white shirt and it had a little schooner on it. It's real cute. Neat. So I guess I could wear that. There you go. But uh yeah, so I'm I'm excited. I'm anxious. That's I mean that's what I, that's me every week during a game when it's Kansas or South Dakota. Like when it comes to the Rose Bowl, if UCLA is two and at that point, I'm going to be really anxious. So we'll see how that game works out, but right before we take a break, uh, I'm going to talk about that we have some pretty awesome guests that joined us today on the podcast from the Scott and Holman podcast. Uh, They have really great stuff talking about the Houston Cougars, and then we'll just talk about the game in Norman on Sunday right after that. All right, guys, today we're joined by Dustin Rensink from the Scott and Holman podcast. Thanks for coming on.
1: Yeah, happy to be here.
0: Tell us a little bit about your podcast. Uh, why are you guys called Scott and Holman? Uh,
1: so yeah, Sam and I have uh, been doing some blogging before. We originally had a, a Scott and Holman blog before we had the, uh, the Scott and Holman podcast, and it was uh, it was basically this. It's Scott and Holman are two streets, two of the major streets in Houston's uh, historic Third Ward, which is the home to the University of Houston, and uh, the two streets intersect, kind of uh, right in the middle of where like the football and the basketball facilities are. So. It just uh, seemed like a a natural na- uh, thing to go with, and we've gotten a lot of kind of jokes over the years, people thinking it was our last name or something like that. but uh, not neither of us is Scott nor Holman. Uh, we just like the the intersection.
0: it's pretty clever. I mean, it's it's fun. and but so the most grilling question that in this past week that there's been a lot of material available for is Dana Holgerson with a camera on him with a mic in his hand. And he didn't necessarily completely guarantee victory, but he said he was looking forward to bringing a victory back to Houston. So what was your reaction when you saw him do that?
3: I mean, I, I think that's what any coach should say in Dana's position. I mean, you're playing the game to win it. I, I think it's Kind he... of
2: like Joel Flacco calling himself a lead. Like, you can't really blame him for, <laughs> I him mean... for
3: it. Yeah, you know, obviously, you can with a clear eyes look at the game and be like, Houston's an underdog by a fair amount of points, and Houston is deservedly an underdog by a fair amount of points. But I think if Dana had gone out there and said, "Yeah, we're hoping to just keep this game close and respectable," I mean, is this is this a cursing? Is is this okay cursing podcast? Oh, of course, yeah, go for uh, okay. it. How the fuck are you supposed to sell this team to a fan? <laughs> you know, to a fan base that's True that through that couple disappointing seasons. If you're not going to at least like shoot for the stars, I mean, I think we're all realistic about our chances in this game. But I mean, you play to try to win, even even when you were a pretty sizable underdog. Like I think U of H deservedly is. I mean, I a- think
1: it's also worth considering that w- when when he said that he didn't say it at a press conference. He didn't go out of his way to find a media member and say it. He said it at the cage rage, which is like an event to kind of get the students out and get everyone fired up for the season. So I think he's playing to his audience there a little bit too, trying to get the students fired up and. Yeah, like Sam said, you don't get them fired up with, uh, well, we're going to give it our best and hopefully keep it within a couple of scores. You get people fired up with saying, hey, we, we intend to go up there and win.
2: That definitely makes sense, but something that was mentioned at the press conference, there's this little standoff about the depth charts going on, right now. on right now. It's kind of cracking me up a little, bit, a little bit, but which program do you think will release a depth chart first this week? week. Oh, Who's cool. going to fold?
3: And it's not a matter of folding. It's just I think Dana has been very cloak and dagger this whole offseason. Very periodically, he'll just throw out nuggets like, oh, yeah, this guy's a starter. And we're kind of just like scrambling because it's a little bit of information when we've gotten precious little of it this offseason. But it's been, you know, I think we didn't have a true spring game. It was it was it was basically a controlled practice. It was a a shortened controlled practice because uh, Houston had one of its wonderful notorious rainstorms right so we very few people outside of the select group of insiders really got anything close to a decent look at what this team has looked like in practice for the last you know six seven eight months I think it's all kind of been a mystery to us so I I think Lincoln I think Lincoln Riley has a lot less to gain in terms of just trying to be cloak and dagger because Oklahoma is the favorite. Oklahoma again is is right with a favorite. So if I guess it's Oklahoma, but I I don't know, man. Dana's been dropping the nuggets kind of left and right, so maybe maybe he does just release one tomorrow and we're all scrambling on our phones to finally get something approaching a cougar two deep.
0: And we can talk about former uh, you know, Houston cougar coaches other than Major Apple White because that guy is kind of garbage, but I mean, you guys had saw plenty of success with Tom Herman at Houston, and what is the sentiment behind Tom Herman? Do you guys root for some of his success? Do you guys hate him nearly as much as Oklahoma fans? What what's that? What's that relationship like there?
1: I would say that. I mean, there's not very many blanket statements I would make for the entire Cougar fan base. Uh, pretty much no one in the Houston Cougar fan base is cheering for Tom Herman, I think it's safe to say. Um, and, I mean, part of that is just he was the third coach in the span of less than a decade to leave us for an in-state rival uh, in the Big 12, uh, and that, or I guess one of them was in the SEC. And that, that, that's pretty obnoxious on its own. And just the way he did it with uh, just, just really just kind of BSing the media and the fans for, uh, for most of the year. And really, the thing that I come back to is if you look at the way that Scott Frost left UCF. He, you know, he's pretty. Uh, he was pretty honest. When people asked him about the Nebraska job, he'd be like, "Okay, well, you know, uh, I, that that they have a coach there already. I'm not going to comment on it." But of course, you know, he was just kind of honest. When you know, push come to shove, he's like, "Yeah, that's my dream school." And if the school in Austin had always been Tom Herman's dream school, that'd have been one thing. I think we could have come to accept that. But he which, was, just, which was, I think
3: there actually is a credible case that it was yeah. his dream school.
1: But but he just did a whole lot of like, "No, no, no. I'm just committed. I'm totally here." He told boosters behind the scenes that, "Oh no, as long as Houston matches any offer, I get this offseason. I'm going to stay." And then uh, obviously let his agents start a bidding war uh, the day before the last game of the regular season mm, for right. uh, a bunch of those guys. Uh, so, which really you know the, took a lot of the shine and kind of the luster off of that game. So definitely there was going to be a lot of people that didn't care for him when he left. Regardless, the way he left didn't endear himself to anyone, though. Certainly,
3: and I think you, you could say the guy's a good ball coach, and he did a good job mainly coaching ball here. But just like like Dustin said, the manner in which he left and. Yeah, you know, the guy, as you all know, loves to slather it on about commitment and loving his players and blah blah blah. And he couldn't even commit to his old team for twelve games for a job that he was a shoo-in for. Like Tom Herman could have sat out the negotiations until whatever day it was November twenty-eighth, the day after the regular season ended, and I think done much better by his players than he did. He just is something is there's something kind of sociopathic about him. But I would, yeah. You know, but I say sociopathic. I love hearing all of this, yeah, by yeah. the way. This
0: is fantastic. It's okay. It's okay if you call him an asshole motherfucker, too. That's fine. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but I mean, it's, you know, I want to go full things. We are still talking about football here. But just, <laughs> and like, he was asked later, he and like, he's like, I don't know why Houston fans are so angry. We had a good couple of years. That's like, yeah, yeah, we had a good couple of years. But the fact that you don't understand why the Cougar fan base uh, aren't your biggest fans of your new school kind of tells me a little about you Tom
1: the, the Houston Cougar fans never cheer for the school in Austin regardless So, I mean Case Keenum the you know patron saint of all things Houston Cougars could come back and be the head coach of uh the school in Austin and I think uh, the Houston Cougar fan base reaction would be yeah you know we love you Case we'll cheer for you uh whatever the next team is that you coach
0: wow that's good to know right absolutely <laughs> so but Makes me feel good. There's a there's obviously a primetime game on Sunday, 6:30, ABC in its own uh, this coming weekend, and the main guy that we're kind of hearing about from this side of the tracks is Derek King. And ESPN rated him as a sleeper Heisman uh, pick. So what is what does Derek King bring to the table, and maybe other really talented athletes like nobody's talking about, like Marquez Stevenson, who's who's also you know, uh, definitely a guy that Oklahoma needs to watch out for. Tell us about those guys.
3: So the one parting gift from Tom Herman, other than Ed Oliver, obviously who had a great three-year career at Houston, was a generational talent, was the Eric King and the receiving core. You mentioned Mar- Marquez Stevenson also. Courtney Lark was a four-star in previous TCU commitment. Keith Corbin was the least recruited out of all those guys. And I think as good of a ceiling as Marquez has – with Keith Corbin's size and just natural ability in the red zone, if he could catch 75% of his passes this year, I think he's a day two, second, third, fourth round drafty. I think that's how good he is. But obviously there's the big if there, that Keith Corbin could catch somewhere around 70, 75% of his passes. So it's the most talented group on the team. I think it's an interesting parallel between U of H and OU, because I think the fan bases have the most confidence in the quarterback and receivers. And just with Derek King, I I think – the easy, very, I think, lazy comparison would be, you know, Greg Ward and Derek King, and I think they're very different players. Greg Ward was a great improviser, mm-hmm. was just had almost supernatural ability to detect pressure. And I think Derek has some of that. There's some overlap between the two guys, but Derek is a, a much better passer. Derek has a cannon for an arm, has all the arm talent in the world. For all uh, we think about Kendall Briles, and most of it isn't very positive. Last year's oh. offense gave him a chance to really show off, I I think, one of the best handful of arms in college football. He's a little guy. He's a quick guy. He's a good runner. But I really think the thing De'Arik does best is pass the ball, and he can stretch the field like only a handful of college quarterbacks can do.
1: I think the really exciting thing about the passing game is you saw, you know, the 50 touchdowns he threw or he was responsible for last year and in basically 10 games of getting injured. And all those receivers that we mentioned, they were all first year starters last year. None of those guys had really any starting experience. The wide receiving core was a huge question mark. Stevens said he had played in two games total yeah, prior to just, last yeah, year. Yeah, mm-hmm. just injuries and guys being behind other guys in the depth chart. So uh, to head into this year not only healthy after finishing last year injured, but then having a year where he's coming into having got to work with all those guys before, having got to work with running back Patrick Carr, who had a, a breakout season and was, uh, was really good for the Cougars last year, and he returns this year as well. So um, it's not just Dear King being one of the most exciting players in college football, which he is, but it's him having uh, you a know, reasonably experienced offensive line in front of him and a lot of uh, exciting uh, playmakers in the skill core as well.
0: So the big thing that this game is going to come down to, what I think anyways, is... How are the Cougars on both sides of the trenches? What offensive line, defensive line?
1: Yeah, offensive line uh, is where I would say that's the unit I'm probably uh, more comfortable with heading into the season. The offensive line has three returning starters. A couple of those guys have been starting for three and a half, four years. Uh, The the two tackles, uh, Jared Williams and Josh Jones, are both... Uh, guys that were really impressive Uh, pro football Focus rated them as I believe the top two pass blocking tackles in the uh, the American Athletic Conference last year and then Braylon Jones is another returning starter on the interior line as well and then they plugged the last two holes in the line with a couple of grad transfers Um, Gio Pancati who had been a backup at Tech and then Justin Murphy who had started games at both uh, first Tech and then UCLA and he's basically he's Started out three years as a starter, two at Tech and then one at UCLA, and all three of his years have been ended by injury. So uh, the Cougars obviously hoping he can stay healthy this year. So feeling relatively good about the offensive line. The defensive line, obviously with Ed Oliver uh, departing, and that unit wasn't very uh, very strong with Ed Oliver injured at the end of last year. Teams, you know, once Oliver went out, kind of just uh, tended to run the ball down Houston's throat a lot. The defensive line. Uh, didn't do a whole lot to prevent that so that is a unit that uh, definitely a little more concerned with heading into the year the Cougars did address that position with a couple of uh, of junior college transfers there was also a couple of guys that were injured Isaiah Chambers is one of them towards the end of last year who I think maybe made that unit you know weaker than it should have been just because it was not only Ed Oliver being injured it was basically yeah, almost the entire two deep I think would miss time towards the end of last year so uh, new defensive line coach Brian Early's done some really impressive stuff uh, along his stops. So hoping to see uh, with some more guys coming back in healthy this year. Hopefully we'll see a little more uh, you know improvement on the defensive line, but I would say I'm more 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 optimistic at the offensive line if I had to pick one of the two.
0: Because if I if I looked at it, you know, if I look at what most people are gonna take away from last year's Houston Houston team, is because I look at it and I say, Wow. Like, holy shit, Derek King is probably the best quarterback, and I've said this several times on the podcast, that uh, Derek King might be the best quarterback Oklahoma faces all year in week one, trial by fire for an Alex Grinch defense. I think and, that's completely true, by the Yeah, I think it's a fair assessment. Like, I think he's a much better than Sam Linger and I think people are overrating Brock Purdy at Iowa State. And so, I mean, the guy's got – he reminds me of Vince Howard from Friday Night Lights. Is that a fair – is that a fair, like, comp – you I'm, guys.
3: A, I'm a big hipster i've only read the book friday night lights i never watched the show even though like every single person who's watched the so- show says it's awesome I, I i can't comment
1: yeah i can't believe that this isn't both sam and i's blind spot but i don't think wow so i'm sad to report now,
0: that's fine but he's just he's a deer king is a di- dynamic athlete because you talked about the differences between Did greg you... ward and deer king and i wholly oh. agree with that like greg ward Great athlete, and Mike Stoops, who is a damn idiot, tried to rush three and drop eight in the coverage, which that was not good, and that's something you definitely can't do against Derek King because he's so dynamic an athlete, and he's got a, a good arm. And But the thing that people are going to remember most about Houston last year from outside, of course, like of the Houston Cougar like, spectrum is – army whipping that ass by 70 to 14, 70 to 17. And basically what I'm asking is why is Houston going to be much better than what we saw at the very end of the year with army and uh, army and Houston playing
3: the most blunt response to it is, I think that team quit on major Applewhite. I think enough guys also knew that Kendall Bryles and uh, Randy Clements were out the door as soon as that game was gone to, to take the same positions at Florida state. And there was something we knew going into that game. We, both of us, after watching a fair amount of the Cougars in the second half of last year, just seeing us be an absolutely atrocious run defense, other than the rare moments that Oliver was playing during that second half, and Army being this just, I mean, you guys faced him last year, this just grinding, hold the ball kind of rushing attack. It was just, it was a team that was just designed to attack the weakest point by the end of last year. And, you know, it just, Bryles had a bad game plan for our backup quarterback Clayton Tune. There's, just, there's a, whatever happens in Norman on Sunday, there's no way we're scoring 14 points. I, I, I don't know if I feel great about. You no, know, uh, that that's a we fair can assumption. can confirm that, yeah.
0: I, I can 100% confirm I don't, I don't, that. You might score 14 points in the first quarter.
3: I don't, I don't know how much less will hold Oklahoma under 70, but it, it was, I mean, just it's a bad thing to see the team basically quit on Major Applewhite because, quite honestly, he wasn't a coach worth playing for. I think. Not to get too sidetracked, but one pet peeve is there is still some part of the Cougar fan base just like, oh, well, why didn't Ed Oliver play for his teammates in the second half of last year? And it's just like, well, you guys don't think Major Apple I was worth much as a head coach. Why should Ed Oliver have risked you know, millions of dollars in his future to play for a coach that basically nobody in the Cougar fan base thinks is worth a darn?
1: yeah, I mean, I think the the biggest difference between what will be different between the Army game and uh, this game is like Sam said that you know King will be playing, and that's obviously a huge difference. no offense to our backup quarterback Clayton tune, but Deer King's a much different uh, quarterback than him. and then defensively, Again, like kind of Sam said, I, I don't know that there's a difference. Uh, if there is going to be in, end up being a difference, I would say it, it will end up being the fact that the coaching staff addressed the defensive woes with a slew of junior college transfers and a slew of Division one transfers who came in. So uh, probably most of the guys that end up playing and then just and like we said with the injuries on the defensive line as well, I would say, you know, probably a, a solid seven, eight, nine, ten of the guys that uh, are starting defensively for Houston will be different in the Oklahoma game than the guys that were starting for the bowl game last year, probably.
2: Who was Mike Jones? Two
3: eight one three three zero eight zero zero four. As a as a high school high. School See, this
2: is in your wheelhouse. I knew it would be because I interact with y'all on Twitter. Twitter.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's um. We actually one time in one of my classes in high school because that like my sophomore junior year was when that stuff was all blowing up. Uh, we called that number and it was a promo for Mike Jones' next single. Like the one time anyone ever – because people were always calling it because everyone had just gotten cell phones and thought it was super cool to call the song. or call the number from – you know, that Mike Jones would say one in every five bars in a song. So m- m- familiar. Just say I'm familiar. Who is your favorite Houston rapper of all time? Oof. Can I uh, can I include a group? Yeah, that? go for it. I would I would say uh, the Ghetto Boys. Okay, I just as much as like, I, I think a lot of the Houston rap that like like the Mike Jones and Slim Thug and that it's more of a liking something for the kitsch. Like, no I don't think it's really excellent hip hop. I hate to say I hate to say about my UGK hip-hop. is
2: excellent hip hop.
3: Yeah, I mean like yeah, I was just, uh, I don't know so I'll, I'll, a decent amount of it is just like people repping Houston just rep Houston. You know what? Like Houston, I think doesn't get enough respect. You know, on the spectrum out there, then I get I get people repping Houston just to rep Houston, but I I'd, I'd put my vote for the Ghetto Boys.
0: That's respectable. Come here, what do you got? Yeah. so before we continue our football talk, I'm gonna ask you guys about what you think about Russell Westbrook now being a Houston Rocket because I'm really sad about it.
2: Yeah, I, I didn't think we were we gonna were... broach this subject tonight. Now I'm feeling like <laughs> driving home. I don't know. Got to walk out of here. I'm 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 about to cry.
3: Yeah, I should appreciate because it it's gonna, like. As I'm, I'm someone who's like, and he's a good basketball player. I've never like denied that Russell Westbrook is one of the best in the league. I've never, you know, said that, but you should enjoy the fact that it, like is causing an existential problem with me because now Russell Westbrook plays for the one NBA team I've ever rooted for, and even though I gotta be honest, I don't really like the guys in this Rockets team that much. I, I found the team. And again, not to bring up someone that you guys probably don't like very much, but I found the team with Pat Beverly on it a lot more likable. We, yo, he, uh, he he
2: is public. He, he, he is still he is booed published. so loudly every time he touches the ball in Oklahoma City. Like he that, derailed a potential championship by not, being a hard out. He's
3: he was the old and he was the heel, and that's why. I love it. And just like I don't know, just James Harden. He's a great player, but I just I don't really like James Harden that much. So. <laughs> you just enjoy the fact that I'm having to now like the one NBA team I've ever liked and probably ever will likes. So I'm not going to switch my allegiances now at age 31. It uh, has Russell Westbrook on and I have to root for Russell Westbrook or just sit out a uh, pro sports season. You know, yeah. I, if, if I was going to lose a superstar um, I would, I, I would at least want to lose him to kind of a, nearby rival and enjoy that fan base eating shit and having to like I, i'm sure many rockets fans more so than i have just like talked shit about russell westbrook over the years and now every one of them has to grin and bear it and root for him that's been slightly
0: satisfying I and, yeah address. and delete <laughs> delete several of their tweets about him
3: Exactly. And I have a lot of tweets about Russell Westbrook that make my pool. I will own every one of those bad tweets about one of the star players on my NBA team now.
1: I, I grew up in Southern California, and I still remember when they acquired Carmelo Malone at the very end of his career, and everyone who had always hated Carmelo Malone their entire lives was suddenly like, no, actually, he's one of the great players of a generation. We have to appreciate him very much. So. It, it is feeling eerily reminiscent to see uh, Westbrook come to Houston. Darryl, I, mean, I, would, I would I would, just say he's he's a little bit closer to his prime than
3: Carl Malone with the Lakers. Yeah.
0: But I get the comparison. It's a fair comparison. Daryl Morey can now stop his bitching and moaning about who should have won that MVP because now they both belong to the Rockets.
3: One of the conspiracy theories is that the owner, Tillman Fertitta, who is a huge U of H booster, basically financed our fancy new basketball arena as chairman of the U of H Board of Regions, was a bigger part of that move than Morey, so it all kind of comes back to U of H if uh, you look at it close enough.
0: <laughs> all right, a couple more football talk, and then we'll get out of here. How do you guys see? How do you guys see this, uh, this game in Norman on Sunday in your minds? How do you guys see it playing out?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm probably not going to say anything earth shattering here. I think, like most people, I see it being a fairly high scoring game. Um I, I, I think both defenses will be able to make a couple plays here or there. I think we'll maybe see some turnovers or some big plays on defense. But uh, all in all, I see a game probably played in the uh, the 40s or so. And, you know, the last time we played a big game uh, up in the state of Oklahoma against a a ranked team from the Big 12 on the road, I remember predicting we were going to lose and telling everyone we were going to lose and end up being pleasantly surprised. So I'm going to go ahead and go with that and just say, you know, Oklahoma wins by 10 points or so. Yeah, at the risk of not bringing anything to discussion. I think, I think it's going to be something similar. I think
3: really what we're looking for at this game is just to s- see the offensive concept. Yeah, I think that would be the only thing that would concern me leaving this game. And if we go up 55, 60 points to Oklahoma, I'm not going to be thrilled about that. And I'm going to be like, oh boy, I'm really looking forward to see 11 more games this, of this defense, but I get it. Like this, This defense was in bad enough shape that it might take a whole season or so to really fix it and start seeing results. And certainly... Facing a Lincoln Riley offense isn't the easiest way to see instant uh, results from your defense, but I, I just I really want to see the offensive concepts work. I, I will be concerned if Dana Holgorsen isn't able to score a lot of points and put up a lot of you know a lot of yards with De'Arcy Kane, with all the personnel we've been talking about. That's really what I want to see and keep winning a touchdown to have this game be in doubt at least to some degree in the fourth quarter, even if Oklahoma is winning. I don't I don't want us to get pasted on national television i, I think earth shattering stuff here right now
0: it's funny because oklahoma i think me and jack can say we, we feel the same exact way as far as yeah the defense might take a year to figure this shit we've out been and saying uh, it's
2: going to be a year or two before the and, defense uh, is where it needs to be really for a championship
0: it. level we've been saying that for about four years <laughs> it's not going to be surprised they give up forty something <laughs> points to houston so like i think we say we're saying the same thing from both sides of the road to be honest just slam the over right? yeah yeah but
3: uh it's going to be a it's going to be a heartbreaking game. It's going to get to like a point of the uh over under and then someone's going to throw a pick and <laughs> a bunch of people are going to throw their betting slips down the ground in anger all around the country on Sunday night.
2: What is your go-to order at El Tiempo?
3: to think about this one. It's a good one. Um the risk of uh giving the cliched answer here, man. Combo fajitas for it two. It's delicious.
2: Yeah, the like, best it's, fajitas it's, I've it's, ever had in my life.
3: It, it just like it's one of those pl- I mean, I'm sure they do a lot of stuff well, but uh, fajitas, really like all those nymphos on navigation, El Tiempo. It's the kind of place you get a bunch of fajitas and eat until you're absolutely stuffed. Didn't you? You took your dad and your brother there recently, didn't you,
1: Dustin? Yeah, my uh, my dad and my brother both uh, visited from out of state recently, and uh, and took them there after after some Cougar athletics, and uh, a good time was had by all.
2: Good time is always had by all at El Tiempo.
0: We're, we're plugging El Tiempo here on the here on the I podcast.
1: I just I just
0: but. got out of like Galveston, Houston, and I've never heard of that. I, oh, no, I, it, I it's it's kind of a, it's a chain, by. isn't it?
3: It's like a lot. I think there's like it's not a it's bunch a of couple. them. There's like, there's like three or four uh, of them uh, max. Okay. okay. Well, next, next time I, I get down just, there, maybe Iconic somebody one. hit up. Yeah, kind of one there is like a little bit like probably five minutes east of downtown, and it's right across the street from the other place I mentioned, uh, Nymphas on Navigation. Which I, yeah, you, sooner yeah. fans in Houston, if you hit. Either one of those places, you will get one of the best Tex-Mex meals of your life.
2: They're sort of related, right? There's like similar ownership, right? I
3: think so. I don't know the ins and outs of it, but I think so.
2: Got one more question for y'all. How many Houston fans would you expect to make this trip to Norman, Oklahoma?
1: I I think the Cougars will have a respectable turnout. It might be kind of a hard ticket. I've talked to a couple of Cougar fans that are just... uh, A little bit scared off by the fact that you know with the high demand obviously it's a huge game with it being the only game on and on Sunday evening being the the season opener for both teams the debut of Jalen Hurts for Oklahoma so I think the price point might scare a few people off and I think just given the way that uh, the defense played towards the end of last year that might scare a few people off but uh, you know I think the Cougar fan base is kind of growing into itself uh, with the over the last uh, few years of recent success so I'm. I'm guessing. You know, the good news is we'll at least be able to tell, right? Because Oklahoma is doing a whiteout for that one, so all the red cougar shirts will actually stand out. So I guess I guess we'll be, at least we'll get a good answer. But uh, I, I think the Cougars will bring a bring a respectable number north.
0: Before we get out of here, what's your guys' score prediction for the game on Sunday?
3: If I had to, we're not we're not big score prediction people. But if I had to, I would say. This is, this is a head, not a heart pick, but I would say probably 48, 38, Oklahoma.
1: Yeah, it was uh, that was literally the exact score I had in my head. That kind of freaked me out. I just did a double take right now because that was, that was literally the number I was about. That's, uh, we've clearly been hanging out too much together, Sam, because you literally took the numbers uh <laughs> some kind out, of hor- out of my head. Some there. kind of horrible Houston mind melt going on here. Yeah, no,
0: like, I, I have 48, 42, so right around you guys, man. Great minds. But, hey, before we get out of here... Tell us and everybody else listening where they can find your stuff because you guys do some great stuff at the Scott and Holman Podcast.
1: Hey, thank you. Yeah, we uh, you can find anywhere you uh, get podcasts. You can search Scott Holman Podcast. Uh, obviously, even if you're not a Houston Cougar fan, I would encourage you to go back a few weeks. We recently uh, did over the uh, the summer. We did a, a trivia a trivia competition. We had a bunch of our kind of blogger and podcast friends come in, and so that I think will be a lot of fun, uh, regardless of whether or not you are. Uh, a fan of any particular team and uh, we love interacting with people uh f- you know from all across college football on uh, on twitter we're big uh, twitter addicts so if you follow us at sh podcast and because we're big dorks we spell that p-a-w-d podcast so at sh podcast on twitter uh we try to be pleasant with uh with people from any school i can't believe you didn't mention that we had on carl lewis back in june what world's, world's fastest did you sing the national anthem <laughs> Yeah, we uh, we consciously avoided making any references to the National
2: <laughs> Fun God. fact, he was also there, was it? Yeah, Houston's he, College Game Day when Corso <laughs> dropped the F-bomb. That was yeah. the greatest moment in the history of College Game Day. That was fantastic. Carl well, Lewis was a part of it. <laughs>
3: yeah, and Carl Lewis was a fill-in at the last minute. I think they had like a pro wrestler on, and then Wednesday that person backed out. They're like, oh, well, I guess we'll just get one of the most decorated Olympians of all time. The greatest U- athlete of the 20th century. He U-H was alum, which is just like... Every Cougar fan was like, yes, this is who you should have gone in the first place. (laughs) And obviously obviously the game day turned out fairly memorable.
0: Well, fellas, it's going to be a good game on Sunday. The temperature is going to be 70. It's going to be a wonderful game. Are you guys going to be able to make it out?
1: Oh, yeah, we are. We are coming up. We've had our tickets for a while now. We are uh, pretty excited.
0: So it's going to be a great day, great football weather, and uh, good luck to the Houston Cougars, and thanks for coming on the podcast, guys
1: yeah thanks for having us on it was a lot of fun yeah, thanks guys Whatever. yeah thanks
0: all right well this sunday sooners cougars oklahoma versus houston Norman, oklahoma 6 30 p.m prime time under the lights it's gonna be 77 degrees by kickoff it's gonna be better be 67 degrees by the end of the game you're probably I'm gonna be probably freezing my ass off by the end of the game. it's like it's i'll su- take it man it's supposed to feel good 67 degrees right but just because it's been like 90 degrees every day, it's gonna feel cold. I can deal with that. I'll take that trade off. But uh, Oklahoma actually opened as a 26 point favorite, and the line went down not that long ago to 24 and a half. And you know, just talking with the Scott and Holman boys, and we'll talk about it later. Of course, they don't think that Oklahoma covers. I've I don't think Oklahoma covers, and we'll talk about Nor do our I, yeah. our scores a little bit later. Um. What's the best case scenario out of after the game Sunday evening? Best case scenario, what happens?
2: Like best case scenario for the season is that what you're talking about? Or? Sure. Okay. As far as Oklahoma is concerned, I'd say the best case the absolute best case scenario would be winning a national championship, but that would only occur I think if something happens to Alabama or Clemson because right. I don't think they're quite there defensively to truly hang with either of those teams. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, they could maybe keep a game within, you know, two touchdowns, kind of like they did with Alabama last Mm -hmm. year. But I still don't think they're going to make enough of a move defensively to quite get there in a year or two. I guess that's what we've been saying for a Mm -hmm. while. But, like, uh, now we actually have good reason to say that with a new defensive coordinator. But, yeah, I worst-case scenario, though, would be if the defense is terrible and Jalen Hurts doesn't quite – Live up to a I mean, I know he can run the offense effectively, but if Oklahoma's offense is kind of limited because he sort of struggles as a downfield passer and the defense doesn't make up for whatever hypothetical shortcomings would be at play there, I would say maybe like an eight and four season would be the worst case scenario.
0: What about I don't picture that happening? What though. about best case and worst case scenario just for the Houston game this Sunday?
2: ooh. Well, worst-case scenario would be a loss. I mean, I don't think that's going to happen either, but it's in play if it's a shootout, like we said earlier. Yeah. It's certainly, I mean, we've seen enough scares in the last few years to not rule that out. So that would be the worst-case scenario. Yeah, what
0: about best-case?
2: Best-case scenario, I wouldn't go as far as, like, what happened last year against FAU. That's not going to happen just because De'Eric King is the quarterback and not Chris Robinson. Yeah. So I would say best case scenario would be, you know, maybe holding Houston to twenty one or twenty four points or something like that and I then putting a fifty yeah.
0: spot up. I think that's pretty that's that's pretty good. That's pretty good.
2: I'd be very happy if that would yeah. occurred. I mean
0: for the year I would say best case scenario, I mean I mean it just depends on the defense. If they can actually be functional and at least average I think they can get to the national title, not just a semifinal. Now, do I think they'll win it? best-case scenario? No. I don't. I think they're another year away, at least. Worst-case scenario, Jalen Hurts is still your starter by the end of the season, even though he's shown that maybe he's not as uh, strong as he could be in Lincoln-Riley offense, maybe as a Spencer Rattler. And um, Oklahoma goes like 8-4. and four. Uh, they, they, they Seems eight, like we're on the same page with a lot of this. And then best-case scenario... I'll take that Oklahoma. Dell would beat Houston, and they show out. Maybe force a couple turnovers, uh, win something like fifty-four to twenty-four, and then worst-case scenario is obviously, and I've held I've held stead steadfast with this one. Oklahoma turns the ball over more than twice. They're gonna lose the game. They're gonna lose the Houston if they turn the ball over. People want to say oh, defense. Houston's defense sucks. I'm like, okay, well, look in the mirror, pal. Uh, well, the Houston's offensive line, they're missing starters. Oh, look in the mirror. And I'm not saying Houston has the same caliber of athletes or players by any means, but I'm saying, man, you can't make mistakes with a team that has that quarterback and those wide receivers – It's what's been the case for the past few years. There's no real margin for error
2: offensively. Yeah. There's pressure to score on every possession just because of what the defense is.
0: Now, should you be able to? Should your offensive line be able to lay on them by the second half because of the sheer talent and size? Yeah, you should be able to outgrade them in the trenches. But worst case scenario, that 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 situation is in play for the game if they turn the ball over more than once. It can get terrifying real quick. Um. What are you thinking about this game defensively? Like, what what game plan would you deploy if you were an Alex Grinch?
2: Well, you're going to have to be aggressive. I mean, you saw what happened three years ago when you rushed three and you dropped eight guys against a really talented Houston quarterback. This is an even more talented yeah. Houston quarterback. You have to be aggressive. But Greg Ward can't throw the ball. That means we should just rush three, right? <laughs> uh, see how that worked out. It's <laughs> the I mean. worst. But, yeah, it's basically Grinch is going to have to do everything he's preached, essentially. He's yeah. going to have to, you know, you know, deploy more than three rushers, obviously, which seems reasonable. Seems like it's something that will happen. But, and I think, yeah, it offensively, I would say that I expect Oklahoma to score at least somewhere in the 40s, at yeah. least. Yeah even with a new quarterback and a largely new offensive line. I think that's very reasonable.
0: I think defensively you've got, like you said, you've said, got to bring pressure because uh, you've got to disrupt timing for a King. You've got to create negative plays. If you're not creating negative plays against a team like Houston, it's going to be, it's going to be tough sledding for you because if you're constantly at third and five or a third and four deer King's going to make you pay with his legs or they just going to have just simple guys that sit up in the zone And guys that go over the middle, it's going to be too easy for them. And Greg Ward, not Greg Ward, Dear King, excuse me, he's shown that he, uh, or at least last year, he's probably matured since then, but he's shown the ability to panic if he gets chased and has made just some errant throws. But if you create negative plays, that creates opportunity for longer throws downfield, which creates opportunities for interceptions and takeaways and forced turnovers. So you have to bring the pressure. You have to. And offensively, expect them to run the ball quite a bit. Um, I'd be surprised if Jalen Hurts exceeded 25 passes. Uh, Even with that new offensive line, it sounds like it's coming together well. Uh, I would would be very surprised if, again, if Jalen Hurts passed for more than 25 times because they in the trenches should be able to just run and road grade Houston's guys maybe not in the early in the first quarter but they'll start leaning on them in the second quarter and from subsequently there on and uh, keep Derek King off the field and keep that offensive offense out of a rhythm and um, so I guess we can go to prediction of score I already gave mine earlier. 48 to 42 by no means is that OU covering and I think that's going to be some uh, there's going to be some fireworks after the game with fans being pissed at Alex Grinch Even though you know this is probably one of the best offenses you're going to face all year, and the offense, like, what are you going to take away? They scored 48 points on a bad team on a bad defense, anyways. What what's your prediction of your score? I would say
2: 52 38 Oklahoma, and I think it's going to be close for a lot of the game. I think Oklahoma pull away late with the running game, like you said, they'll be able to wear them down and be able to win in the trenches. But I would say that. Houston's score will be as low as 38 just because Oklahoma will be able to run a lot of clock in this game. Mm-hmm. So that'll probably limit UH's possessions. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking here.
0: My real question is, I think a lot of people expect Oklahoma to win. Even the guys at Scott and Holman expect Oklahoma to win, but they also expect Oklahoma to win down in NRG. Is there anything we can learn about Oklahoma from this game? defensively,
2: I think, you know, they've been preaching so much about doing the little things right. Mm -hmm. We can see a little bit of that. I mean, how much are they rallying to the ball Mm -hmm. on each possession? Are they turning around for the ball? I mean, basically... Fundamentally... The fundamental things that have been preached as changes from the previous regime, you should be able to see a lot of those things right off the bat. Yeah. Now... How effective the unit will be in general, maybe don't make sweeping generalizations about one game. But
0: yeah, but we, those little things, I think you will. could,
2: yeah. Oh, well, yeah, of course. But like, uh,
0: yeah. I mean, just the little things we were talking about, mm-hmm. essentially. I think I don't think there's a lot like can learn from this game, and I think there. I think honestly, this game is a no-win situation. You win the game you were supposed to win the game. you were favored yeah, by your favored, favored by 25, 25 whatever, damn yeah. points. So you win the game. Woohoo. Great for you. You won the game. You were supposed to win by that much. Vegas said you're supposed to win by that much. Um you get you the game is close and it's a kind of a shootout. Well, you won the game, but you have lost the PR move, especially with the fans as far as the fans are going to be pissed at Alex Grinch. Well, they brought you here for a reason and uh, the defense still sucks even though, you know, it's a it's a it's a we live in a society that it's a very like, please me now sort of situation. Of course, and, and people are also pretty stupid, so they're going to rush just, to judgment. It's just, it's unbelievable to me. But they're they're in a they're it, when it is a shootout, and when Derek King does put up thirty something points, it's going to be people are going to be pissed. Even though they're not going to realize how prolific of an offense that Houston has, it's still Houston, and that that's a no win situation. Of course, if they lose, we all know. That it's just going to be a, the worst day since the last time they lost to Houston, and uh, or the lot the worst day in Norman since they lost to Iowa State, and um, I think it's I think it burns even worse that it's Houston because Oklahoma fans inherently are usually Thunder fans and they already hate Houston enough for NRG and the Rockets and now another Houston, but it's just, I feel like this is just a no win situation going on for Alex Grinch and Lincoln Riley and it it's a tr- it's a trial by fire for Alex Grinch in his unit like Daniel Holgerson who has torched an Oklahoma defense several times in several years he never got a win at West Virginia never got that win but he always beat the he always beat the hell out I just of just killed a fly that's been tormenting us yeah, the whole it's, time. it's been it's the victory all but he's always scored points in Oklahoma on Oklahoma besides that one year with the Trevor Knight stuff and uh he knows Oklahoma well he doesn't know Alex Grinch that well, but it's Oklahoma's personnel. And you also have um, a couple other things at play. And it's just like there's, there's just a no-win situation.
2: I don't necessarily see it as a no-win situation I from, a, blow from, out. A, from a morale standpoint. I think excitement can be generated if someone like Trajan Bridges or Jaden Hazelwood balls out. Mm-hmm. Positive storylines coming from the offense, essentially. Mm-hmm. Defensively, like you were talking about, if they do create those turnovers and essentially do the things we were talking about, people will be positive about things. Granted, they might be rushing to judgment on certain things, but I think you can take certain positives away from it. Yeah. Even if Houston scores in the 30s, which they, I think they will, obviously. So. Yeah.
0: I mean, if the if the game ends up like fifty two to twenty four, I think everybody should be singing the praises. And, of course, yeah. I don't think that's going to happen, but and making sure they somehow get to church or make if they didn't get to church that early that morning, they they figure out a way to pray to their deities that evening uh, for whatever choices. But I mean, I don't think Oklahoma's going to win that game. I I I have no confidence that they cover that spread. Oh, that they cover? Yeah, I thought there's okay. no way. Oh yeah, no, no, definitely not. Now they should beat Houston. Oh, well, of course. But I have no confidence. It's going to be whatsoever as far as covering the spread. It's going to be interesting until at least the fourth quarter. I, I think. I think that's fair. I think I think they'll pull away in the second half. Uh, but yeah, that's that's uh, that's all I have. You have you have any plans for the weekend besides the game? Of course, on Sunday. A lot of friends coming into
2: town for this game, which is always a good sign that this is going to be a really good environment when people come mm. from out of town and. People come in who don't even have tickets to the game. It's going to be fun. Like, people are coming in on Friday. The game's on Sunday. It's going to be a whole very entertaining weekend. And that's after we get to just lounge around on Saturday and watch all the other college football Of course. Games.
0: That's going to be fantastic. I mean, I feel like we're winning in every way here. Yeah, college football Thursday, a little bit Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then on one on Monday.
2: There, yeah, there's some really
0: decent games on Thursday, too. So Yeah, that's there gonna are. be nice. There's I got my fantasy games. draft on Thursday, too. And I'm the defending champion, oh, so... I, I had my fantasy draft the other night. How'd it go? Did not go well for me. I'm pretty sure I'm... There's an eight... It's a 10-man league. I'm pretty sure I'm finishing eighth or ninth. Have you ever won it before? I've won once, but it's because everybody else's players got hurt and mine stayed healthy. Dude, I drafted <laughs> Le'Veon Bell in the first round last year and still won my uh, league. Wow. No excuses. Would you somehow pick up uh, James Conner? Yeah, I did. Bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Picked him up in waivers. <laughs> That's unreal, but man, that's that's about it for me. You got anything else? Like I'm good. All right, well, check us out at CrimsonAndCreamMachine.com. We're actually working like, on a big joint article thing with like predictions and other things for you guys. It's, it's actually be long. It's long. It's going to be really cool. You you might call some of us bold. Some might call it stupid. I don't know. You decide. I was looking at last year's. There
2: were some cold <laughs> cold takes in there.
0: The Bucky
2: winning Big Twelve Defensive oh, Player of the Year.
0: God. Mercy, mercy, mercy. We should expose expose them.
2: I think it was Austin Brown who said that. Yeah, let's expose them.
0: But, yeah, follow us on crimsoncreammachine.com. There's a lot of cool stuff dropping there. Uh, follow Jack at CC Machine or at J. Larry Shield on his personal account. You can follow me, Kami me Amorabian, at CCM. Follow Alan Kenny at he Homerism. He's going to start doing some gambling, gambling podcasts podcast. for well, us he, as well. He yeah,
2: he and his brother. No. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, Ooh. we're
0: gonna get some fights on the air here. I'm so excited. That's gonna be fun. Yeah, the Kenny and, boys at it again. Yeah, and he just dropped a podcast the other day. uh, talking about Alex Grinch. Yeah, yeah, Jason Kersey on. No, in uh, like and why Alex Grinch has a no excuse kind of policy. And talks about Alex Grinch's kind of family growing up. And it was really insightful, honestly, about absolutely why he is the way he is and why he's so intense. Uh, it's it's a good podcast. If you guys haven't checked it out, you certainly should. But You know, check us out on all your podcast apps. Give us five stars. Got a game this Sunday. I'm excited. It's about time. That's it. See you guys later.